Christ Church, New Malden, 15th of December 2019, 9.30 service. Tim Davis speaking on where to find God this Christmas in the mad rush of organising everything. Xmas and Christmas, a lost chapter from Herodotus by C.S. Lewis. And beyond this, there lies in the ocean, turned towards the west and north, the island of Nyaturb, which Hecateus indeed declares to be the same size and shape as Sicily, but it is larger, though in calling it a triangle, a man would not miss the mark. Uh, just interject at this point, if you're not sure what's going on, read the word Nyatribe backwards. It might make things a bit more simple. It is densely inhabited by men who wear clothes not very different from the other barbarians who occupy the northwestern parts of Europe, though they do not agree with them in language. These islanders, surpassing all the men of whom we know in patience and endurance, use the following customs. In the middle of winter, when fogs and rains most abound, they have a great festival which they call Xmas, and for 50 days they prepare for it in the fashion I shall describe. First of all, every citizen is obliged to send to each of his friends and relations a square piece of hard paper stamped with a picture which in their speech is called an Xmas card. But the picture represents birds sitting on branches or trees with a dark green prickly leaf, or else men in such garments as the Nyaturbians believe that their ancestors wore 200 years ago, riding in coaches such as their ancestors used to, or houses with snow on the roofs. And the Nyaturbians are unwilling to say what these pictures have to do with the festival, guarding, as I suppose, uh, some sacred mystery. And because all men must send these cards, the marketplace is filled with a crowd of those buying them, so that there is great labour and weariness. But having bought as many as they suppose to be sufficient, they return to their houses and find there the like cards which others have sent to them. And when they find cards from any to whom they have also sent cards, they throw them away and give thanks to the gods that this labour at least is over for another year. But when they find the cards from any to whom they have not sent, they beat their breasts and wail and utter curses against the sender. And having sufficiently lamented their misfortune, they put on their boots again and go out into the fog and rain and buy a card for him also. And let this account suffice uh, about Xmas cards. They also send gifts to one another suffering the same thing about gifts as about the cards, or even worse, for every citizen has to guess the value of the gift which every friend will send to him, so that he may send another one of equal value, whether he can afford it or not. And they buy as gifts for one another such things as no man ever bought for himself, for the sellers, understanding the custom, put forth all kinds of trumpery and whatever, being useless and ridiculous, and they have been unable to sell throughout the year, they now sell as an Xmas gift. And though the Nyaturbians profess themselves to lack sufficient necessary things, such as metal, leather, wood and paper, yet an incredible quantity of these things is wasted every year, being made into the gifts. But during these 50 days, the oldest, poorest, and most miserable of the citizens put on false beards and red robes and walk about the marketplace, being disguised, in my opinion, as Kronos. And the sellers of gifts no less than the purchasers become pale and weary, 
because of the crowds and fog, so that any man who came into a Nyaturbian city at this season would think that some great public calamity had fallen on Nyaturb. The 50 days of preparation is called, in their barbarian speech, the Xmas Rush. But when the day of the festival comes, then most of the citizens, being exhausted with the rush, lie in bed till noon. But in the evening they eat five times as much supper as on other days, and crowning themselves with crowns of paper, they become intoxicated. And on the day after Xmas they are very grave, being internally disordered by the supper and the drinking and reckoning how much they spent on gifts and on the wine. For wine is so dear among the Nyaturbians that a man must swallow the worth of a talent before he is well intoxicated. Such, then, are the customs about the Xmas. But the few among the Nyaturbians have also a festival, separate and to themselves, called Christmas, which is on the same day as Xmas. And those who keep Christmas, doing the opposite to the majority of the Nyaturbians, rise early on that day with shining faces and go before sunrise to certain temples where they partake of a sacred feast and in most of the temples, they set out images of a fair woman with a newborn child on her knees and certain animals and shepherds adoring the child. The reason of these images is given in a certain sacred story, which I know but do not repeat. But I myself conversed with a priest in one of these temples and asking him why they kept Christmas on the same day as Xmas, for it appeared to me inconvenient. But the priest replied, it is not lawful, O stranger, for us to change the date of Christmas, but would that Zeus would put it into the minds of the Nyaturbians to keep Xmas at some other time, or not to keep it at all, for Xmas and the rush distract the minds even of the few from sacred things, and we indeed are glad that men should make merry at Christmas, but in Xmas there is no merriment left. And when I asked him why they endured the rush, he replied, It is, O stranger, a racket, using, as I suppose, the words of some oracle and speaking unintelligibly to me, for a racket is an instrument which the barbarians use in a game called tennis. But what Hecateus say, that Xmas and Christmas are the same, is not credible. For first, the pictures which are stamped on the Xmas cards have nothing to do with the sacred story which the priests tell about Christmas. And secondly, the most part of the Nyaturbians, not believing the religion of the few, nevertheless send the gifts and cards and participate in the rush and the drink, wearing paper caps. But it is not likely that men, even being barbarians, should suffer so many and great things in honour of a god they do not believe in. And now, enough about Nyaturb. And now, let's have a musical interlude. I think uh, a nice Christmassy song, don't we, band? Let's stand and sing a well-known carol. Um, so how do we all enjoy our little story from C.S. Lewis there, pretending to be the ancient historian Herodotus, talking about the inhabitants of Nyaturb, a.k.a. Britain, spelled backwards. Um, it's a bit of fun, uh, Xmas and Christmas, but it's also quite an uncomfortable read as well when you kind of really think about it. Um, now, have we really got to a point when the celebration of the birth of Christ at Christmas has little to do with the annual festivities we throw ourselves into each year. Now, this was C.S. Lewis writing this short essay in 1954, decades ago, about how he perceived there to be two completely separate things going on in the build-up to December the 25th. 
you know, the conflict that these two festivals, the commercial and the sacred, fall on the same day and yet really have nothing to do with each other. Uh, now, perhaps you're thinking it sounds rather preachy. Am I going to be giving you a talk on how we've lost the true meaning of Christmas? Uh, well, no, but sort of yes. If, yeah, it doesn't make sense, but bear with me. Because um, you know, this morning we're looking at where to find God this Christmas in the mad rush of organizing everything. And whenever I read that short essay by C.S. Lewis, I also think about his description of the Xmas rush, the 50 days of preparation of fighting through crowds of people to go shopping for presents, of writing dozens and dozens of Christmas cards, of preparing a mountain of food for all to be consumed in a short space of time, and of balancing half a dozen different invites to social functions, which all seem to appear on the same weekend. Honestly, we are all so stressed with all that, that the season entails that after shopping and baking and going to parties and trying to get all our work done before shutting down for the Christmas and dealing with all the extra traffic every weekend, who has time to reflect on or ponder the true meaning of Christmas? And when you find yourself emotionally and physically burnt out by the time Christmas Eve comes, I'm sure there are many of us here, big shout out to the teachers I know, who feel that way. Well, then there's a problem, isn't there? And even when we're going to church, are we, are we actually thinking about God? Are we more concerned with getting ours and our children's costumes ready and just right for the nativity service? Are we, are we browsing through the songs being sung at the cow service and thinking, oh, I wish they were different. I wish we weren't singing that one this year. And are we not paying attention to the words of the Bible readings? Are we, are we sat in church on Christmas Day, but our mind is already in the kitchen trying to work out timings for lunch for 12 people in a few hours' time? Or do we actually hit peak stress levels like a week before? You, you find yourself thinking, how was it one week before Christmas and I've got a month's worth of work to try and get done completed in five days before the office closes and I need to wrap all the presents. No, 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 I need to still buy some of those presents. I've got to get those nice Christmas biscuits that everyone likes, but which was sold out last time I was in Waitrose and which, all the, which of those three parties that I've been invited to can I go to and which two people well, are not going to be offended if I don't turn up there and why did my office party have to clash with the Christmas party for my in Christmas children's nativity play and my brother and my family you still haven't told me what time they're arriving Christmas Day. And damn, I've missed the last posting date to send a card to my cousins in America. Sorry if that outburst took you a bit by surprise. But what if that was actually you in front of everyone else at some point this Christmas? What if suddenly things become too much and without expecting it, we suddenly snap. Now, a reminder of a favourite Christmas film, It's a Wonderful Life. And it's a film which is actually a lot darker than sometimes we sort of realise. And a particularly harrowing scene in it is when the main protagonist, George Bailey, his, his whole life is starting to go bad around him. He has this mini breakdown at home and he starts lashing out at his family and destroying furniture. He immediately apologises but the damage has already been done. It's easier than we realise to reach high levels of stress at Christmas time, when there's so much going on, so much to accomplish. 
And as much as we're thinking about where to find God this Christmas, in the mad rush of organizing everything, there's also real need to find God when things start to get hectic. So where do we find God? How do we find the time to look for God? And what are we even looking for? You know, when we're this busy, are we actually just throwing up even more questions? Sometimes we just need to stop. We need to take the time to be silent. And instead of rushing around or asking questions, just take time to be silent and hear God. And at this time of Christmas, what better way to do that and to refocus ourselves than to actually just start with the Christmas story itself. The song we just sang, Silent Night, is wonderful in a way that it takes us back to the events of the birth of Christ. And I'm just going to look at that in a moment. But first I want us to look back at an event that took place several months before that in the Bible, but involved silence as well. Right at the start of Luke's Gospel, before the birth of Jesus is foretold, the birth of John the Baptist is announced, also by the angel Gabriel, but to the boy's father, Zachariah, rather than to the boy's mother, as was the case with Jesus. But Zachariah ends up having a much different encounter than Mary does. And as a result of his disbelief that he and his wife would be able to have a child, they were both quite old, he is struck dumb by the angel until after his son John is born. For several months, Zachariah was forced to take time out from his busy life as a temple priest and forced to be silent and listen. Zachariah was too busy asking questions and anticipating problems. He didn't listen to what God was saying. We are a lot like Zechariah sometimes. You know, Christmas is a time when we hear the proclamation of God. We hear, but are we listening? We have Christmas lists to fulfill, obligations to meet, people to see, programs to attend, and we are busy celebrating Christmas, but are we listening to the message of Christmas? At times this Christmas, when when it all seems so chaotic and busy, why not take some time out to be silent amid the mad rush and listen to God? Because during times of quiet, we get the chance to think and reflect. During the last, during at least nine months that Zechariah was in silence, he had the chance to reflect on what the angel had said to him. He had the chance to listen to those whispers of God and to also think about those whispers. And when you read later on in Luke chapter 1, you see the change that came over Zechariah. The man who was asking for a sign now has this great spiritual insight. Zechariah now understands that God is about to do something wonderful. The long-awaited Messiah, the Savior, is about to arrive. And Zechariah understands that his son will play a special role in his appearing. And as a result, after these months of silence, he bursts into song. Fear has turned to faith. 
resistance turned to creativity and worship. Father Joseph Moore also found creativity in worship of God that arose from a time of silence. Legend has it that when the church organ in Father Moore's church in Oberstdorf, Austria, was damaged due to flooding, he realized there would be no music for the midnight service on Christmas Eve. But he was inspired by the events of the Nativity and had written the words to a song he called Stille Nacht, Silent Night. And he went to see a local church organist who agreed to compose a melody for, which could be played on guitar to put this, um, these words he'd written to music. And the much-loved song, Silent Night, was born and sung that night at the midnight service. In and amongst the mad rush of everything at Christmas time, taking a moment to focus on the story itself enables us to find God and see his presence at the heart of Christmas and to ensure that our priorities are clear and in order. The second verse of Silent Night talks of the shepherds being told about the birth of Jesus by a heavenly choir of angels. Do not be afraid, an angel says to them. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. It's an amazing scene to visualise. But even more amazing is the shepherd's response. You know, they didn't tweet their status or Facebook Live, the heavenly choir in front of them. They, they didn't queue for selfies with the angels or send messages to multiple WhatsApp groups about what just happened. No, they rush straight to Bethlehem to see this thing that had happened, which the Lord had told them about. Their priority was to seek God and worship him. By taking time to reflect on the Christmas story in the mad rush of everything going on, we can learn to prioritize God above everything else. But perhaps the most reassuring thing of all, when it all feels so hectic, is to know that God is here with us now. The angels announce that the Messiah, the saviour of the world, Emmanuel, God with us, had come. God had come to his people. And when we find ourselves feeling under too much pressure, stressed at the amount we're trying to accomplish at Christmas time, and when we're feeling that God feels so very far away from it all, then understand that God is present with each and every one of us, here and now, because he came to us at Christmas. Jesus is living within us through the power of the Holy Spirit because he is the living word, the word that is also within us. The final reading at a carol service is always the one at the beginning of John's Gospel, the one that goes, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. It's a passage that is so familiar, yet also potentially confusing to some. But it's a message that God, the eternal, loving, creating Father of all, was there with us at the beginning, 
was there with us at the birth of our Saviour Jesus Christ and is here with us all now. I'm just going to finish by reading the beginning of this passage, but using the Amplified Bible translation. It says, In the beginning, before all time, was the Word, Christ. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God himself. He was continually existing in the beginning, co-eternally with God. All things were made and came into existence through him. And without him, not even one thing was made that has come into being. In him was life and the power to to bestow life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines on in the darkness. And the darkness did not understand it or overpower it or appropriate it or absorb it and is unreceptive to it. Because the word is living in us, and because he is this living light and life within our spirit, we can connect with God, find him in even the most mundane, routine tasks, or even in the midst of all the crazy, busy times this Christmas. No, God doesn't disappear when we step out of our quiet times. We may move away from God, but he never moves away from us. He is always patiently waiting, always present, always the living, active word within us. This is a spiritual reality for every believer. Even when God's presence may feel and seem distant, Jesus is present within us as the light who has overcome the darkness of the world. He is the consolation to our desolation. He is yet present in both. It is possible to draw near even when we feel very far away because of his constant presence. Seek him. Connect with him as a friend and take time to listen In whatever moments your busy schedule within the mad rush of organizing everything allows, in wrapping up presents, in watching a nativity play, in queuing to get into a car park, while preparing a meal in time between meetings. This time, this Christmas time, take time to be silent, to listen to God and to connect with God, to know his presence with you. Know that God is always there with us, beside us, in us, always.